Magic is power. Legacy newbie with me this week as always, Mr. Jerry Mee. What is up, Jerry? Um, I'm living the life. I'm basking in the fun employment sun this week, Pat. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Taking some time off from work. Yeah, I, I put in my last my last days at the old job and don't start the new job until after the GP. Oh, so, that is dedication. Yeah, Putting been... your job to attend a GP is fucking baller as hell. <laughs> That's how much I care about this game. <laughs> that is 100% the only reason why I quit my job. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, but I am, I'm good, Pat. How are you? Um, yeah, man, I'm doing pretty well, man. I'm excited to get into the cast this week. Yeah, we got a super cool guest back on the cast. We do. We do. Um, typing very aggressively. Yeah, furiously typing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but first, as always, we want to thank uh, Hipsters of the Coast for bringing you guys Leaving a Legacy every Friday to your ears. Uh, Hipsters of the Coast has awesome legacy content and more. They also host a great show, Eternal Dirtles, which is something I've been, been turned on to recently. They're also a really good legacy podcast, so check them out if you haven't already. Uh, you can also find the show on the Top Deck app, and if you don't use the Top Deck app for pairings of big events like uh, the SCG Opens and, and the GPs and stuff, I highly recommend it. It's a really great app for, uh, even if you're just using it for the pairings, it's pretty amazing. But it's got a, bu- a bunch of other functionality as well, so absolutely recommend that. Um, and also, if you want to support the show directly, you can visit patreon.com slash legacy. You can support the show for as little as a dollar an episode. We have some great rewards. We actually, uh, I actually just put up a poll last week um, because I want to do a second round of kind of thank yous, and I wanted to know what people wanted. And um, so, like people like people like getting shout outs on the cast, and people like the stickers. Um, but you know what they really like, Jerry? They really want tokens. So we are going to do a uh, a round of tokens probably in the next uh, few weeks because I have the art almost uh, almost back. Should have it back by the end of this week. And then we'll find out uh, logistics for getting tokens made. So um, we're trying to figure out what exactly we want for tokens, but I think they'll be pretty sweet. I'm pretty, pretty excited for those. It, it seemed the two popular choices were Merit Lage and Other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah. So yours on the Facebook page, I, I don't take as seriously because the tokens are really for the patrons more than anything else. So I'll probably run a second one on the Patreon page also because like, sure. Just throw out my hard work. It's cool. No, no. Oh, yes. Your hard work of posting a poll on a Facebook page. I yes, sweat. Jerry, I so sweat much hard work for that, po- that poll. <laughs> it's not my fault. You have a mechanical keyboard, Jerry. It's impossible to use. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, uh, I'll, I'll do a second one probably on the Patreon page and then we'll take some kind of, uh, uh, mix of the two results there uh, there's a lot less trolling on the patreon page because we know most of the people pretty well so um I, I, uh, but yes i did have an amazing idea but the problem is, is i don't play this deck is uh it came to me to just have a poison counter token and then the token <laughs> is just like screenshots from magic online chat <laughs> just like, like salty chat yeah just salty toxic chat it's my my poison counters someone uh someone in a magic chat today had said that they should commission rk post to make a, a slow poke token 
like the the Pokemon Slowpoke, and then you can give it to people who are slow playing and aren't being called out by the judges for slow play. <laughs> That's I like that, that was... pa- the passive aggressive like fake yeah. parking tickets yeah. that like you yeah. just like you are a shithole driver. It's like you are terrible at parking, and I'm going to yes. stick this sticker on your windshield. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. Maybe we'll do that too. <laughs> oh man all right yeah maybe that's a good one too (laughs) yeah so uh so check it out um also if if uh if you guys listen to the show and we need to send you something uh for a patreon reward please please get a hold of me um i'm trying to go through we kind of sent out our first wave a few months ago and i really want to send out our second wave of thank yous um so we're ordering more of the thank you notes or thank you cards rather um and i gotta order up some more stickers so please 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 don't be afraid to message me if I owe you something or if you want something, you know, if you've already gotten stickers before and you're like, hey, I'd like to get another couple stickers, please don't be afraid to message me. I'm more than happy to send those out. So please, if you're part of our, our Patreon family, uh, send me a DM on Twitter or on Facebook. Or send me an email, leavinglegacy at, at Gmail. I, I'm sorry, leavinglegacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. Um, let me know uh, what you guys need or what, we're, what you're owed or what we, you would like, and I will see what I can do. I'll get that stuff out to you as soon as possible. And always, the, the link for the Patreon is in the show notes. So, Jerry, before we get into our guests, I know you wanted to kind of submit a correction from last week uh, when we were looking through uh, one of the top eights. We saw an infect list. We kind of both gave it a quick Passover and didn't think there was much uh, different about it. And we had a listener, a uh, sharp listener, Anthony Aguilar, uh, quickly hop on Facebook and and correct us on that. Yes, could not could not let it pass by. He just wanted to point out that what's unusual about that infect list and what's been popping up in more and more infect lists is they're actually now running four basics and have cut uh, fetch lands to fit more basics. And the reason because of that is twofold. Uh, one is for the uh, against this death right shaman meta um, denying death right shaman those uh, fetch lands, especially early on. Uh, can actually be quite the benefit. Like I've I've cast like underground sea deathrite shaman, and I don't have a fetch land, and I've just relied on my opponent having a fetch land to help me mm-hmm. power out that those three drops on turn two. So, just that to deny the deathrite shaman, and also just blood moon insurance because we have been seeing a big uptick in the number of blood moon decks uh, lately. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, just wanted to uh, to let people know about that because the infect players were very upset that we did not catch that uh, that drastic change to the list. Well, it's like any other deck that people are really into, like Blue Red Delver. If I see a Blue Red Delver deck and there's a card off that's unusual, I'll notice it. But someone like you who doesn't really play the deck or care too much about it won't won't notice that. And I'm like, hey man, this is like a big deal. This is a, this is some interesting tech, or yeah. this is something that the community, you know, that the the Delver players have been talking about, and you're just like, that's eh, not like a big deal. Um, so I'm glad, I'm really glad Anthony reached out and said, hey man, uh, there's actually some interesting, um, interesting changes going on in this deck. Something that we're doing to uh, uh, approach the changing metagame or sort of the new this kind of state of legacy. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad he reached out to us, and I'm glad we were able to correct it on the cast. Awesome. But let's get into the meat and potatoes of the cast. Welcoming back on. Our friend Min, what's up, man? Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, <laughs> I am so sorry that my keyboard is really loud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it with Jerry, man. There's no need to apologize. Name and shame. Name and shame. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like someone using like two ball peen hammers to tack out all the words. You know, that's actually what's happening. I'm using like an old fashioned typewriter. You know, <laughs> just hear the ding and then. Sh- yeah, yeah, we yep. haven't heard the carriage go back yet, but I'm sure it'll happen. 
<laughs> oh, look at Pat using the technical terms. Fancy. Hey man, I'm old. <laughs> I'm old as fuck, dude. <laughs> Pat learned how to type on a typewriter. <laughs> it's true. It's actually that's actually not far from the truth. <laughs> oh boy. Well, I man, would definitely we, believe that. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted to have you on because you're the numbers man. You break down every event, every result. You probably have a closer grip on the legacy meta than anyone else we know because you just consume every legacy content that comes out. So we wanted to have you on before the GP just to, uh, you know, let people know what's going on in legacy right now, what to expect for the GP and, uh, you know, how things are shaping up and what they should prepare for. Sure. Uh, Yeah. At this point, I kind of do it like subconsciously. Like I, I fall asleep listening to Japanese GPs, so like... You wake up one morning and you're fluent in Japanese. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's strange how that works. I can actually understand some key phrases in, like, breakdowns now, too. It's it's a little odd. Um, <laughs> I, should I be concerned? I don't know. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to, like, be on the cast again. It's been a while, and um, I think both Legacy has changed since the last time I was on, and... Obviously, the podcast has grown a lot. Like just looking at you guys, the follower numbers is it, it's drastic. It's it's really impressive. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. I, I tell Jerry, I feel like sometimes, like once in a while, we'll hit like a tipping point that'll that'll bring us up another tier on the podcast scene. And uh, it's always fun to have a new influx, a, a big influx of new listeners, and uh, also people who just like join the pay, the Facebook group who have have no idea what the podcast is, which is all also really really cool. So. Yeah, definitely. It's it's grown a lot, and like you guys have covered all sorts of topics. It's it's really really cool to see. I listen to it like as much as I can. I've missed a few weeks here and there, but I, I usually try to catch it when I can. You, I mean, you are a top tier consumer of content in general. So <laughs> even <laughs> yeah. if we get one 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 there once in a while, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy about that. Much well, much more plugged. That. Much more plugged in than uh, last week's guest, uh, Wilson. We're like, hey, Wilson, do you know of any events coming up? Nah, that's, that, there's, there's nothing else going yeah, on. When I, when I heard you guys like say that, I'm like, you guys know there's like three legacy events happening the following week, right? Like, and I, I was listening to my car today on my way home from work, and I'm just like, oh, wow. Wilson, the format is Wide Open Hunter. Yeah. Uh, to down. be fair, Wilson, I love you. You're you're an awesome dude. Uh, he's one of my. He's a really really close friend. He's helped me grow a lot as a person. So, shout out to you there. Uh, you, your opinions kind of stink, but that's okay. <laughs> Wilson has helped me shrink as a person. He's currently trying to convince me that Landshark beer is a palatable beer, uh, and I refuse to admit it. <laughs> I'm still not sure if they're actually sponsored or that he just really likes Landshark beer. I can't tell. I, I think they're as sponsored by Landshark beer as we're sponsored by Boston Market, which is to say fully sponsored and funded. <laughs> nice, nice. Explains a lot. Oh, yes. Uh, so we will kind of want to get uh, your perspective, Min. Uh, you know, we did have so many events this week, uh, so many to keep track of. We did, but we also, like, didn't. I know, uh, right? Because uh, more than half of them that. were teams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think just as a caveat, just to, to say, I don't put very much, if any, stock into results of team events because they don't. Uh, release individual players records so we don't know you know did their standard and modern teammates carry them to the top eight and also other decks uh you know the legacy decks uh may have done really great but their standard and modern partners may have stinked which dragged them down and we don't see those results either right so 
Right, and let's, we, we can talk that, about that a little bit, actually, because yeah, I know, like, the, the thing that upsets me the most about team events and the reason what you just kind of outlined is, hey, we don't have personal records, so why do they matter? And to be frank, um, team events are extremely difficult to extrapolate any data out of, uh, simply because of the fact that you can't get individual records. Like, if you go look at GP Kyoto's, like, top moments of the Grand Prix uh, day one, they'll talk about the two teams that are undefeated, 8-0, day one, and both of the legacy players on those two teams were like, yeah, I, like, went maybe 50% or something. My teammates carried me. And I'm like, why, why, why can't they just release those statements for everybody? Like, you can do individual records and do full <laughs> breakdowns, but that's, like, a whole... There's this missing piece to every well, team event. It, it's also impossible just because of the nature of the event where right, if both right. your standard and modern teammate wins their game or loses their game, you could be halfway through your game and you just end because yep. the match is already decided. Correct. Yep. And that's what happened in the top four of SCG Cincy. Uh, there was like a Miracles Mirror match in the quarterfinals or something, which was awesome, in my opinion, obviously, because I'm a Miracles player. But they didn't finish their match because their teammates won or lost, mm-hmm. and they were in the middle of game three and they couldn't finish it. And, and like that's really upsetting to me. Mm-hmm. So even if even if they did release personal records, we would also still have that problem to deal with. Definitely. So yeah. team team results are cool to look at, but don't put very much weight in them. I think is what we're just trying to say. Agreed. Yep. Um. So with that, do we want to dive into? So GP Kyoto was I th- was probably the biggest event we have this week. Yes, uh, and not a lot of people knew about it in the first place, which is like kind of irritating. Like I remember Friday night posting on the Living Legacy Facebook group, hey, you guys know there's a team GP going on, right? <laughs> like, this weekend, right now? <laughs> Coverage started like an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, what? Yeah. Uh, did you guys happen to watch any of the coverage, by the way? I watched no. zero of the coverage, unfortunately. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't get a chance. I wanted to say this. Japanese magic coverage is significantly better than any U.S. coverage by a lot. And that I'm, is wild. And I'm counting Star City Games. Really? What, yes. what makes it what makes it so good? They look. They have uh, player cameras always on them, so like they will look at facial expressions while players are doing their thing. People yep. are significantly more polite, and it's more about the person, not the game being played. A lot of the time, um, and they like do p- player interviews uh, after every uh, after the winner of every match. Uh, t- term- turnover. The culture is just different there from like TV and magic culture in general. Like mm-hmm. things are just significantly more smooth. Uh, like I, I don't understand a, a speck of Japanese for the record, and I watched the almost the entire GP because it was a joy to actually watch. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. I'll have to go back to the coverage and uh, and check that out. I, I yeah. like seeing coverage from um, different regions because it, it there there is always like a unique flavor to a European GP or a Japanese GP or what have you. So um, yeah, I'll definitely be interested to check that out for sure. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Like they covered as much magic as they possibly could. Like, they moved people in and out of seats as, when they could and whatnot, and it was really, really nice. Um, they have the name. They had, like, these awesome graphics of for, like, the, the teams. Uh, and you, you can see on the coverage site, it shows, like, these three people are on these teams. They had, like, these action shots of them. It was really, really well done. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but, yeah, so G, uh, GP Kyoto happened, um, they, and they cut to a top four. Um, and I'm not going to go over all of the, like the modern legacy or the modern standard team, um, seats cause we don't care about them, right? We're, we're it's a legacy <laughs> no. podcast. Um, so the top four were, uh, four color check pile, um, sneak and show, 
Yeah, Stegan Show actually took it all down, which I was it did, uh, yes. pretty cool to look at. And just real quick, the interesting thing about this list is uh, they're running four preordain, which is super interesting. Yeah, and three Emrakul, right? Yeah, they cut yep. an Emrakul for a preordain. Yeah. Um, so they cut the flex spots of, like, Jason Intuition uh, and also another Emrakul in order to fit in the three extra preordain. Usually, they're only one running one or two, so... Well, I love cantrips, so I can definitely prove that, you know? 12 cantrips going hard on them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Another one, um, so then the other two decks were Alluren, which notably this Alluren deck deck is interesting. If you take a look at it for like half a second, you'll understand why. Is this Um, the one running, uh, what is it, uh, freaking the bounce creature? I'm blanking on it, the Mana War? Yes, but there's there's another interesting part to it. Actually, there's like five different interesting things to it, but we'll, we'll get back to that one. Um, and then also Blue White Miracles, uh, also top forward. Nice. Which that was pretty sweet. Um, but that Alluren deck, that thing has him to Turok in the main deck. Oh. Three copies. Yeah. They are just like, Alluren is very much just becoming the sh- new Shardless Bug. It's like Shardless Bug with this like combo win condition. Uh, I would hazard to say that Alluren has kind of always been like that. Um, mm-hmm. like it's always had this like kind of grindy element to it. Um, but this one in particular is like really interesting just cause it has like so many different moving pieces. It has a main deck Sylvan library. It has mana war, coiling Oracle, two copies of shardless agents and a Vendillion click in the main deck. I don't, I don't know what's going on with this list, honestly, but it, it, it's sweet and it's cool that you can like kind of fit in all these little moving pieces. With yeah. him to Turok in your deck. Like, that's I know, the part looking, that gets me. Like, I'm looking at this mana base, and it's like Savannah, Forest, Basic Forest, Basic Islands, Tropical Islands. Like, there's a, so there's two Underground Sea, two Bayou, and a Swamp. Those are the only black sources in the deck, and it's running three him to Turok. So I guess maybe it's just, like, really going for the Shardless Agent, but there's only two Shardless Agent, so... Yeah, I, I, I can't uh, conceivably fathom anything uh, on this list. And there are quite a few uh, Japanese tournaments where things are just weird. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that is true. Um, like the guy from GP Shiba two years ago that was playing Stifle in his Miracles deck. That was an interesting <laughs> one as well. Yeah, the the GP that Bob Wong, Jarvis Yu, uh, Anurag Das, and James Pogue covered. Like mm-hmm. the, They did like the English version of oh, the Japanese yeah, GP did. coverage. Yep. Yeah, if you go back and watch it, you'll see like the guy, this guy went nine and zero day one, and then he top aided with like back to basics miracles with stifle and like a bunch of other random cards in his deck. It didn't make any sense whatsoever, but he like did really well with it. That's crazy. Yeah, he had like a Venser and a click made no snapcaster or something. I don't. I may be misremembering, but I knew he had a stifle in his deck, and that's what threw me off. Yeah. I mean, the Japanese tournaments are awesome because they're this, like, self-contained meta, and it's really cool because you can look at them and get some really spicy tech out of it. Like, some of it's just straight ridiculous, but there's been lots of things where I've been like, oh, that's really cool, tried it out, and it's worked great. Um, So, yeah, if you are someone who likes seeing, like, the cutting edge of decks, seeing new things people are trying out, definitely check out the Japanese uh, events, especially going on, like, MTG Top 8. There's a lot of Japanese results uh, posted on there. Uh, So looking at, like, the 100, 150-person tournaments, uh, you can find some really cool lists. And Haruya also has, like, an English decklist site where they Mm. keep track of all their own personal events. 
So you can take a look at those as well. And they have legacy events running, I think, like three times a day or something ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, Damn. they play a lot. That is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, with this kind of top four, um, you know, four distinct decks, no Grixis Delver. Uh, but, you know, what what can we kind of take away from, from that? Um, to be honest, not a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, the one kind of data point really is that Sneak and Show is good in team tournaments because it has a lot of free wins and it's a very proactive deck. Yes. Uh, you don't have to care too much about what your opponent is doing, especially in a team environment. Um, yeah. That being said, uh, I don't think it's very good against a, a metagame uh, fully capable with, um, like, Grixis Delver uh, as represented as it is, uh, yes. which, again, we'll, we'll get to that whole spiel in a bit. Um, I'm not 100% certain on playing the deck against Grixis Delver round after round, um, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say from my own personal uh, standpoint, I'm not bringing Sneak and Show to GP Seattle because I just got tired of playing against Grixis Delver round after round, and mm -hmm. like. Grixis Delver is such a beating for Sneak and Show, it's not even funny. So I, I'm I'm putting the deck on the shelf. But you know, I'm so of... proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I know. I, I told Josh to see how that, and I think I saw a tear forming in, in the corner. <laughs> <of his eye. laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I think uh, Sneak and Show is really great, like you mentioned, for these team events because you can just get those free wins for your team. Uh, and just kind of hope that the standard or modern teammate can uh, finish it out for you. Uh, and if you do get that Crixus Delver matchup, hope you uh, your teammates can carry you. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but like, that, there's not a whole lot of data points you can glean from a team event. Uh, it yeah. shouldn't. It should never really influence anyone's choices. Like, if you look at the team event before this Madrid, I think it was, <laughs> two of the top four decks were Mono Red Stompy. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was more. I thought it was like three of them no two were monitor at stompy uh one was grixis delver i think i i just had them pulled up uh okay we, yeah we had we had a four color check pile uh eldrazi and then two monitor at stompy decks gotcha oh that's what it was i was just saying yeah eldrazi with their uh chalice, chalice of the void same thing you know chalice same. of the void ham sandwich the deck you, you, yeah, you got yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so else, was there anything else you wanted to say about the Alluring deck before uh, we move on? No, I'm good. Cool. Uh, also, up next, SCG Cincinnati, which is also a team event, I believe. It was also a team event. It was uh, my uh, actually the, the guys that were in the finals that ended up losing are like hometown friends of mine. They're all from like Columbus. Um, oh, sweet. So it was really yeah. cool to see those guys make it that far. Can we just have a quick sidebar as well? Just, just the, something that just sort of popped into my mind. Sure. Like, if we're seeing a lot more team events, right? Like, is is trying to figure out the legacy metagame going to be as important? You think in the future, like with more team events just becoming sort of the norm, or do you I think mean, it's going to be just like play the deck that you think gets the be is like has the most free wins? Or what well, do you guys think? Um, it depends what you go to. Like, if what you're you going, if you're going to a team event, then no, you. You well, that's what that's deck. what I'm saying. Like with all these team, that's that's sorry, sorry. That that's what I mean. Like, is it as important to figure out the legacy meta game when you're going to these team events, or you're just going to play the the deck you're best with? I also just come at it from the point that I view team events much more casual. 
Uh, I was just asked to be on a team for uh, Toronto, so maybe I shouldn't make this <laughs> public. But uh, I view team events much more as like a fun experience than like a diehard spiky experience. So mm-hmm. that's like, you know, you, you go for whatever is the most fun. Like I said, fuck it, I'll be the standard player if you really want me to because I'm just here to have a good time. Right. Um, I mean, are there people who are going to go there trying to spike the team event? It's like, yeah, but how much does your strategy change? I think that's more something you kind of have to talk about with your teammates. I do think, you know, figuring out the meta of legacy in a team event is so wonky. It is, like you're saying, it might not even be that worth it just because there are going to be so many... Uh, like Burn, Eldrazi, like other kind of like budget decks that your preparation for the top decks might not even matter because you could just end up playing nothing but like budget decks of, oh, we just grabbed a legacy player type mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, fair. Oh, Vendillion Click is a wizard too. Oh, oh boy. God. Sorry. <laughs> Pat, Pat uh, has been texting me all day Cozy's about freaking wizard tri- tribal. Good, goodbye, Kosi's trickster. Hello, Vendillion Click. Ooh, you know what? How did you, I how just did you forget Vendillion Click is a wizard? I, I just, I don't play, Vend- but listen, listen. Now we can play that Mox Amber because we have like, we have enough Jace Friends Prodigy and, and, uh, you're just you're literally you're making the most expensive bad deck you can possibly make uh, this is gonna be great all right sorry continue guys i apologize min, min was gonna make a profound point before you decided to interrupt him I, I was but i was basically gonna reiterate what you said jerry like and i think that concept of metagaming and legacy is kind of pointless anyway mm-hmm. uh and so I didn't know when we wanted to do the the spiel of like legacy metagame. I guess we can do it towards the end. Um, yeah, we can, so, we can do yeah. it now. It, it okay. feels right. It feels sure. Right. It feels right. It feels natural. You know, <laughs> a natural segue. Um, metagaming and legacy and the concept of the format being wide open. Uh, so yeah, put the, Wilson the, in his place. Right, right. So I'm going to quote <laughs> my good friend Wilson uh, Percival Hunter here. Is Percival actually his middle name? I, I, I don't know. I doubt it. But we're going we're gonna to go with it. Um, I'm going to put him on the spot here and say, the statement of Legacy being a wide-open format is both true and false. Uh, and I will tell you why. I thought you were just going to say it's horseshit. No, 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 no. So I, I, I am not one to call out uh, fellow friends here. Um, yeah. But the point I'm trying to make is that Legacy as a, as a format in general has uh, always been kind of... It, it's been marketed as like a brewer's paradise. Like, you if you wanted to play Pox uh, at a, like a, a competitive level, you could probably get a lot of free wins out of it. Uh, if you wanted to play Pox for a long time, if you want to play Tribal Wizards, uh, you might want <laughs> you, you could probably get a couple of free wins off of it, and so on and so forth. Um, I think that Wilson's like statement behind that is you don't have to play Grixis Delver if you want to win. You can play other decks. Um, but my counterpoint, and this is a point I don't necessarily agree with him, with, with the concept of Legacy being a wide-open format, is name a deck in the history of Legacy that has been 50% against the field as much as Grixis Elver has. And there is only one other answer. Miracles. <laughs> uh, specifically, pre-banned miracles. Don't look at the deck now yeah, and sorry. say that. Sorry, pre-banned yeah, miracles, yeah. you're right, yep. <laughs> yeah, so like, uh, and I'm like, I'm, like, good friends with Rob Wong and all those people that, like, work on Delver. I'm part of a Delver chat now for God knows what reason. I don't know why I don't play the deck. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly there for comic relief. I'm not very funny either, so I really don't get it. Um, 
But my point is, those people, like, the, the, the deck is marketed as something that can mold itself and shape itself to whatever problems are presented to it. And Miracles did this as well. Like, uh, like, bef- like a couple of years back, before the top ban happened, Miracles was, like, winning a, a fair bit, um, but it wasn't, like, dominating anything. Um, and then Monastery Mentor got printed, and then Predict started happening, and there was, like, a whole slew of events that, like, ended up with, like, the GB Columbus of, like, four of the top eight being Miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two big Legacy events before April 2016, when, or 2017, were, like, dominated by Miracles. Like, the finals were Miracles mirrors both times. And the deck became this thing, this object, that was so consistent, and that's the key thing here, that was so consistent that no matter how people chose to respond to it, it could fight back on that axis and still beat you. Like, when Miracles' worst matchup was, like, 12th host or Eldrazi, whatever you wanted to call it, they had this plan that just invalidated anything those decks were doing in this in this case being Monastery Mentor. Um, this is an example. These are my opinions, just to clarify. Like, I'm just trying to kind of highlight the issue here. They that Like, that's not okay for that deck to be 50% against the field overall. Um, some people never played Mentor either. Like, they just didn't care about that because no one did that at a high level of a tournament. They had to worry about those matchups. Now, Grixis Delver has entered into the kind of the forefront of Legacy. And I think if you asked anybody who plays a modicum of Legacy on the street, and ask them, hey, what's the best deck in Legacy right now? All of them would answer Rixus Delver without hesitation. Um, and I'm not trying to say that this is a problem, but you have to understand why the, this deck is viewed as the best deck. Um, and even like recently, there was an innovation with the deck, and this is Bob Wong's credit. He's he's like, okay, I wanted to start playing more black spells in the sideboard in order to deal with some of your bad matchups, such as March Casualties and Liana the Last Up or whatever. So he switched the mana base, and it was this big innovation that doesn't seem like a big deal to anybody, um, just at, at, like at face value. But if you were to like look at the history of Grixis Delver overall, it was three Volk, two Underground Sea for a very long time, and it had like a more red cards on the sideboard than more black cards. And now there's ways to attack Grixis Delver, so people switched and are playing like spell pierces in order to be check pile or in new miracles and things like that. Like, that ability to mold and shape itself to whatever it needs to beat, while not quite as pronounced as Miracles used to be, it's still there, and it's still, like, giving you free wins in matchups where you clearly shouldn't have a chance. And no deck in Legacy can consistently defeat Quixus Delver while also being reasonable against the rest of the field of Legacy, because Legacy, as Wilson did say, is a wide-open format. People will play whatever the heck they want to, and they will win with it if they're experienced enough with it. That's fine. Like that's that's their prerogative. If they understand the format and they understand their own deck, they're probably gonna win a lot more with it than some random person picking up a random deck and playing with it. However, Grixis Delver is the most variance-reducing deck in Legacy, and it's so consistent, and so powerful that you'd have to have a really good reason to not play it. Mm-hmm. And d- just looking at numbers and it doesn't make any sense for you not to play the deck if you wanted to win and do well in Legacy, if you consider yourself a specialist. Um, and, and yes, I get that, like, hey, you can play decks that beat Grixis. You can play decks that beat decks that also beat Grixis, and, and so on and so forth. But I'm just giving, like, an overall point of view as to why the deck is so polarizing. It's just so damn consistent. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. kind of the the biggest both problem and draw to the deck. 
Right. Also, so that just kind of reminded me, the number one thing you always, always hear is whenever someone asks, hey, guys, I have this tournament coming up. You know, I have these decks available to me. What should I play? If someone asked you that, what would you say like nine out of ten comments on that thread are going to be? I wouldn't look at the list. (laughs) So uh, what I've noticed is said every single time by multiple people in the comment threads is play what you know. Yep. Everyone's first advice to everyone is play what you know the best. That's what you're going to have the most success with. And that's true. Like the reason why that's the most common advice in legacy is because it's true. You are going to do better in legacy playing a list that, you know, compared to playing the quote unquote best deck that you've never played before. Um, What I want people to understand is that where we're coming from when we talk about these things is once you've been around the block a few times, once you've been playing legacy and you've played multiple multiple decks like i think i'm at the point where i've played pretty much every deck in legacy you know you know the ins and outs of the decks you might not be an expert with every deck but there's probably most people have three four five decks that they feel very comfortable with that they could sleeve up at a tournament and what people are kind of wondering when they ask these sorts of questions is you know which of these decks do you think is best suited to attack the metagame right now considering that i have an equal understanding of each deck and how to win with each deck uh that Um, answer is self that that's a self-fulfilling prophecy you will play the deck that gives you the highest win percentage against the field, and that answer is only one deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let me clarify something real quick. Uh, this I, I'm simply comparing and contrasting the statement that Legacy is a wide-open format. I picked up Grixis Delver while gauntlet testing with a friend for SCG Cincinnati, the tournament we haven't talked about yet. Um, I picked up Grixis Delver and I immediately started massacring him. Uh, I've never played a deck outside of Miracles and Legacy for a very long time. However, I have played against every deck in Legacy, probably more than most people that play Legacy in general. I, I used to play a ton. Um, and Grixis Delver is almost autopilot once you realize what actually matters in the format. You deploy a threat, you stop your opponent from doing anything that they want to do, and you win the game. And that has always been kind of the appeal of playing Delver tempo decks. Grixis Delver just supercharges that element by a lot, and it doesn't even play like a tempo deck that often. It just it's it's a lot more grindy, but the point still stands that it gives you the most options, and people are going to flock to playing the deck that gives you the most options in a format that's like kind of wide open like that. Yeah, I mean that's also a point. Like eventually, you just get to the point where you've played so many games against these decks that you can play the deck even if you've never actually picked it up before. Yeah, and it's gonna happen a lot of the time. Like so, I I think one of the biggest points to look at if you look at team events, SCG opens specifically, um, and then you look at just kind of the legacy metagame as a whole, you're gonna see a lot more representation of Grixis Delver, and whether or not it is the best deck is actually completely irrelevant. Um, it it's whether people believe it's the best deck or not. And that's what's happening now. Like, you see every SOG pro from at, at SOG Wooster pick up Grixis Delver and do really well with it. Jonathan Rossum, uh, I think he top-8 at that event, or came close to it, he was planning on playing, like, this check pile deck the day, like, until, like, the, a few days before the tournament and just randomly decided, hey, I, I, Grixis is fine, I'll, I'll try it. 
and he like goes and just massacres people with it because he's a good magic player and everyone else told him to play the deck and that's that's the biggest deal everyone else is telling other people to play Grixis Delver if you're good at magic now when you look at Seattle that's coming up I would be very 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 surprised if Grixis Delver was not the most represented deck whether or not it, it's the best deck it doesn't matter people are going to think it is and therefore we'll play it yeah it's kind of like Rug Delver back in the day like right when I was getting back into Legacy around like 2012 2013 um Rug Delver was the most popular deck head and shoulders above everything else and it was just becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy like you said where we just kept seeing Rug Delver win every event week after week so more and more people were playing it and eventually it got to the point where Rug Delver was almost 50% of the room so it was almost like well it has a 50% chance of winning the entire event no matter what happens just because half the decks here are Rug Delver so obviously it's going to put up results whether those results are earned or not Right. It, it, like, the actual data doesn't matter at this point. People are going to play the deck, and more and more people will pick up and play the deck. And, like, the statement I made earlier today, or earlier in this cast, hey, you have to have a very, you have to have a good and hard reason to not play Grixis Elver in a format you're not super familiar with. I, I can't think of anything. Like, it, it's it's just that good. Like, I picked up the deck just a few weeks ago. And I, I started demolishing, like I said, I, I just started, like, winning a lot. And it was very, very difficult to lose. And I didn't know, like, if you just play even a little bit with the deck, you understand why. It is everything that Magic decks could be doing, but supercharged and turned up to 11. Like, it, it's ridiculous how powerful the deck is. Yeah, so you you, uh, you honestly can't think of a single reason why you wouldn't run Grixis Delver right now, even being a Miracles player? Oh, 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 uh, sorry, I should clarify. I would not <laughs> run Grixis Delver because I knew Miracles better. And that's the point, right? Like, I, I'm confident in my own ability to play Miracles um, well enough in an open field without too much of an issue because I've played against everything Legacy very often. However, I will say this. I fully intend to test Grixis Delver uh, for a team event I have coming up on the same weekend as Seattle. So I will definitely give, be giving the deck a good and long look. Uh, I, I don't anticipate myself switching over, but there's a chance that I might. Um, if I believe I w it would give my team the best chance of winning. So that that's my two cents there. I think Miracles is very good, uh, and I will get to that in a bit. But uh, recent results would indicate, would, would, would allow for me to say that Miracles is good. Otherwise, I would... I would be like kind of hesitant, even though you know I'm a big fan of the deck and I I helped like work on it and whatnot. Uh, so right, Cincinnati, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> let's, let's move right along. We can uh, let's talk about Cincinnati. Um, speaking of Cincinnati, uh, what is it? Three, four of the top eight. Once again, this is a team tournament, so take it with a grain of salt. But uh, three, yeah, is it three of the top eight? Is Grixis Delver? Um, three of the top eight versus Delver. Two of the top eight was Miracles. Um, oh, we had Lands. Yeah. We had Sne Omni Show. Uh, yes. Sneak how do you show. feel about How do you feel about Star City Games classifying Miracles as Jeskai Control? Yeah, well, one of them. One, one of them <laughs> I... was like slightly out of place. I don't know why that one's just a Jeskai Control because the other one is clearly labeled Miracles. So I don't understand it. But whatever. 
Like I clicked on that expecting to see like uh what like is a it? Stone the old... blade deck or something, yeah. Yeah, like remember the old like Delver stone blades that won like two GPs in a row? <laughs> yes. It is, running, it is running like Gitaxium probes in the main though. That's kind of interesting. That's, yeah. So this is Bernie Wen, um, who just like He's got a very interesting deck list, and if you look at some of these miracles deck lists, some of them they're they're all they're all like kind of a little off kilter. Like James Baker's has uh, three search for us cantas in his main deck, which is a little mm-hmm. out of place. Wow, yeah, that's a lot of that card. Um, uh, yeah, Bernie Bert. has main deck Blood Moon, and so does Adam in ninth place. We saw that last week. Uh, some of the lists running back to basics, but some of the lists choosing the main deck Blood Moon. Yes. Um, notably, the list from Wooster, Luke Purcell. Wooster. Uh, <laughs> yes. The, 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 so the reason he played... Sorry, okay. Uh, Luke Purcell was in the 21st place, not Jim Davis. Uh, Luke Purcell has Blood Moons because he didn't have Back to Basics on him at the time. That was just, actually it. We, yeah. yeah. We thought about that as, like, is Blood Moon a budget choice right yeah, now? Yeah, he, he just copied Anurag's deck, like, close to Anurag's deck list, but he didn't have Blood Moon, or Back to Basics on him, so he just used Blood Moons. I mean, <laughs> Isn't whatever. that funny when you're like, oh, is this secret tech, or does he God, just I mean, that happens a lot of the time. I, I heard a story earlier today from Cyrus, actually, um, who said that there was a story about Patrick Sullivan and how he told, like, it, back in old extended, he didn't have like a pyrostatic pillar on him, so he had a boil in his sideboard, and so people just cut pyrostatic pillars entirely when playing extended with his red deck, and just like started playing <laughs> boils because they thought it was right. And he's like, I just didn't have one on me. I don't know what you want from me, you know? Like, it's not my yeah, fault. That, that also happens. Like sometimes you think something spicy tech, and really it's just, oh, this is what I had in my trade binder at the time to fill out my sideboard. Right. Pirate <laughs> Stompy. Excuse me. Oh God. Oh goodness. Uh, it it is also funny thinking of Blood Moon as a budget option for Back to Basics because those roles were reversed not too long ago. Like Back to Basics for the longest time, like years and years and years, Back to Basics was like a five ten dollar card, and Blood Moon was like forty dollars. That, that's when I got and, my Back to Basics. Like that's when I, I know got right, like a couple years ago. I have a single Back to Basics that I got out of a dollar bin, and I am sad that I never finished that playset because they shot up to, like, $90 for a hot minute, and now they're back down to, like, 60 I think I own six. You own six? Give me some. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> all right. All right. Wheel and deal. Wheel and deal. Um, but, yeah, so the, the top eight for the team event, the actual open itself is, like, pretty interesting, actually. I know there's... The over-religion of Grixis, but, like, that's kind of par for the course at this point. Um, You'll notice that there's two Miracles decks that are, like, kind of a little different from your average run-of-the-mill deck. And, unfortunately, they had to play each other in the quarterfinals, which is upsetting to me, personally, because I would love to see them both move forward. Um, Mm -hmm. But, obviously, that's my bias at play here. Um, But I don't think there's a whole lot else you can get out of this, except all of the grinders, all of, like, the, the people that play a lot of SG opens are all on Grixis at this point. Um, including, I don't know if you guys know the name, uh, Super super Wealth, but do you know Joe Bernal, like, just by name? Uh, that sounds familiar. I could not put a face to him, though, if I was forced to. So Joe Bernal is the guy who won the open on the in the Legacy seat. Um, yep. And he's yeah. like a Midwest grinder type. And in Legacy, for the longest time, he would simply play blue-white Stormboard Fistic decks. Like, like, that's all he did for many years. 
And in his open profile, he said that it would be completely asinine to not play Grixis Delver right now. It is tier zero and it's not remotely close. It is the only deck, in his opinion, that you can play right now. And I think that's a big deal from someone who played Stormford Mystic Strategies for so long. Like, that's completely yeah, that's insane. Um, did you guys actually watch the Open at all? Um, I was celebrating this weekend my last day of uh, employment at a job I hate. That's so. fair. That's fair. I actually don't know what I did this weekend. <laughs> hey, that's totally fine. Um, the only notable story from the Open, really, is that, unfortunately, the finals was marred by a complete misplay. Um, oh, really? Yes, but it didn't end up mattering, uh, which we find out later in the winner's interview, but I'll explain exactly what happened. Um, yeah. The, it was a Grixis Delver mirror match that decided this whole thing. Uh, it was Joe Bernal versus Eric Rose. Eric Rose is actually a, a friend of mine. I wouldn't know if he would use the word friend, more like acquaintances. Uh, <laughs> sure, you know. I'm, I'm just kind of taking the words out of his mouth at this point, but I'm sure he would agree with me. Um... He he is like at low life total, and he goes to. Act... I thought you were just gonna say he's a low life. <laughs> no, no, no. He's a, he's a super nice dude. Okay, um, okay, low life total. <laughs> he was at a low life total. Like he's, I think he's at two. Uh, he has is staring down an opposing Death Arch Shaman, uh, and a Gurmag Angler or something of the sort. Uh, and he has a young Pyromancer, a Death Arch Shaman of his own. Uh, Joe has no red sources in play, and Eric has a, a red source, a black source, and an active Death Arch Shaman. Uh, Joe had played a Death Arch Shaman first turn and passed back. On his turn, he goes to exile a land with his Death Arch Shaman, says black, and then proceeds to attempt to bolt Joe's Death Arch Shaman. Oh, Obviously, that doesn't work. Nope. Uh, nor would it work on Magic Online, in case you're curious, because Death Arch Shaman yeah. is not a mana ability. You cannot undo it. Yep. Uh, and he loses uh, the game immediately on the spot because Joe gets to untap with an de- uh, active Death Arch Shaman. So that's unfortunate. However, uh, later on in the winner's interview, that he said that Joe had um, a Volcanic Island and a Bolt on top of his library. So it would not have mattered. It was just a very unso- unfortunate set of events in the finals. Right. But uh, the overall tournament was like, I mean, it's an SG team open, which we've had a few times now. It's pretty much par for the course. Um, yeah. Only other thing I'll say about it is we did see another uh, mono red prison uh, eight moon style deck. Yes, uh, in the top eight, which I think it's it's pretty much solidified as I wouldn't even say it's a t- it's a tier one deck at this point. Like, oh, I agree, it's scary. So many, which I mean, props to Zach. He has been repping that deck for as long as I know know have known him. Like years and years ago, I ran into Zach at a uh, an event in Rhode Island. And I sit down and I play against him. And this is when I first met Zach, probably in like 2014. And he plays this deck. And I'm just like, man, this is weird. Like, I have never, ever seen this deck before, except for this one person that I played on Magic Online with it. And he just goes, was their screen name this? And I'm like, yeah, how did you know? He goes, that's me online. I'm the only person who plays this deck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He's so, been on the thing for so long now. Yeah, Zach has been on this deck for, I want to say, like six years now. So props to Zach. Yeah. You know. They they talked about it. Uh, Wilson and the crew, Phil and uh, Paul and the crew uh, talked about it on the last brainstorm show. Yep. Um, it's gotten a lot of tools in the recent years that has really boosted its power level, specifically Chandra. Um, but yeah, it is it is a tier one deck at this point. You it have is. to be prepared to run into this deck, and I would say it is the best Blood Moon deck in the format. I think it's also the best Chalice deck in the format right now. Oh yeah, and I would definitely be prepared for that deck and come come to Seattle. I think uh, Seattle is going to be. All about this thing. 
Yeah, uh, it's going to be really interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of Grixis Delver, and there's going to be a lot of people running the uh, the mono red prison deck yep. as a way to like try and hate out Grixis Delver. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, with the Dominator rules change, however, I think this deck gets a bit worse. It does, um, yes. So with the uh, the damage redirecting the Planeswalkers. Correct. Uh, so you will no longer be able to use Chandra or Confluence to attack Chase the Mind Sculptor, mm-hmm. uh, which and... was kind of a big deal. Yeah, planeswalkers are the thing that is a is a big problem for this deck to deal with. Yep, 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 yep. So we'll see. So, it might survive. It might like do just fine on its own. I don't know. Uh, but I think I, it's a. I I don't think it's enough of a nerf to push it out of tier one contention. But who knows? Yeah, who, who really knows? Uh, I noticed that this person is playing a copy of From the Ashes in their sideboard. I know. Have the team I, open. <laughs> So right before the top ban, I got a tip to stock up on From the Ashes because Miracles was running it. <laughs> I think you got your tip like three months way too late. <laughs> that, Thanks, that, man. I'm serious. I'm serious. The card was like pennies on Magic Online until Miracles started playing it. And the moment that they did, it shot up to like 40, 50 bucks. Oh, yeah. It was I mean, so well... stupid. I, I was doing it in paper, so I have, oh, okay. I have a bunch of copies. I have a bunch of p- copies in paper that I got for like fifty cents, and eh, they're like a dollar fifty now. So that's not bad. That's pretty yeah, good. not yeah. bad. Yeah, nice. It's got a hard, hard moving penny stocks, but yeah. do, do what we have. Very to true. Do. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's look at the the classic. Uh, obviously, classics yeah. aren't super big sample size compared to opens, but. Um, at least this is just a regular classic. It's not a team event, so we can kind of extrapolate the data a bit. A, a bit little better. bit, yeah. Uh, but it's not a pretty picture, unfortunately. Um, yeah. It's one by four color control check pile, which is interesting. Holy shit! <laughs> Jeez, I'm looking at this for the first time. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I haven't looked at this yet. So. Uh, yeah, it, it's not. It's not super crazy out of the ordinary. Like there are some like deviations. It only has one copy of him to Turok. It has one copy of Counterspell. It has a Gurmig Angler in the main deck, Lillian on the Void main deck. Oh, sorry, are we looking at the four? I was just looking at the top eight in general. But yeah, okay, so yeah, the four-color control list. Yep, it, it just, it's run-of-the-mill kind of deal. But uh, there are four copies of Grixis Delver in this top eight. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said it wasn't very pretty. Uh, yep. And coming in ninth, oh man, Brian Koval. He's playing Jim Davis's list from a couple weeks ago. With uh, back to basics miracles with one base with one dual land. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, another mono red prison list in fourteenth place, David uh, Charlton. So that showing up, and then uh, kind of I like this blue red Delver list. Uh, yeah, yeah, Pat, what's going on with so what's this going blue, on with the blue red Delver? This is my exact Ooh. sixty that Ooh. I run in my main. You run two Bedlam Reveler? Yeah. I didn't know. That. Oh, I love that. Like, wait, Bedlam how did Reveler you not know I reason... Bedlam Reveler? <laughs> I usually kill you before you play them. What are you talking? About? <laughs> uh, yeah, I play, I play the, the 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 sideboard's a, a tiny bit different from the one that I play, but this is like almost my exact seventy-five. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a sweet deck. Yeah, yeah Bedlam is Reveler cool is Bedlam Reveler is a reason to get me to actually play Blue Red Delver. God, yeah. I love that card so much. <laughs> it's card is very cool. Sadly, it's not a it's not a wizard, so you got to move on. It's it's not, I was running it. I tried it in Sneak and Show for an event, and it was <laughs> it was cool, but uh, not not good enough. 
It's not what Sneak and Show wants. No, no, definitely not. It is hilarious sneaking in Bedlam Reveler and then drawing Emmercool. <laughs> drawing Emmercool like off of Bedlam Reveler. You could have cast this for, for two red mana, and you said you paid one to sneak it in. <laughs> yeah, it gives it haste. It gives it haste and draws three cards. Come it, it, on. It, it, it's clear that that uh, you're a man of value here. Exactly, it, 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 it is uh, very clear. I've I've snuck in a grim lava mancer in order to, for the haste effect before. Jeez, <laughs> oh man, uh, a lot so, of in, a lot yeah. of outs, as Patrick Sullivan would say. You know, it's it's a common misconception. A lot of people think show and tell is the most difficult part of the deck, oh, but God, really, don't, don't do this. <laughs> don't even really yourself into a deeper please hole. Please don't. <laughs> really, it's sneak attack. <laughs> Oh, man. I tried. To, I tried to warn you. I tried to stop you. Oh my gosh. Um, um, anyway, l- let's round out these events real quick. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do it because uh, we're running late. So yeah. Uh, anything we wanted to say about Cincinnati besides just a lot of Delver elves coming in fourth? That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that is interesting. Elves. Yeah, elves. Elves is pretty good against Delver, and so is Death. Also so. on. Uh, so I was talking to Julian actually. So after we recorded last week, and we were talking about his list. Um. See, and he see he kind of agreed with us. There wasn't really anything too interesting about his list, other than Progenitus making its way back into the sideboard, which mm-hmm. also Robert Graves is doing. Can I also um, make another just observation too, Jerry? Like, be sure. I know, so I know it's it's very Grixis heavy in the top eight, but the top sixteen, there's not another copy of Grixis Delver. So, like, and we see a pretty good diversity among the top sixteen overall. So I think that's, I think that's worth noting. Like, even though the top yeah, eight huh? happens to be pretty Grixis heavy. The top sixteen is not. Mm-hmm. True. Just FYI. We also don't have a sample size for this for this at all. Like, so we don't know how many people registered each archetype. Right. Right. Um, yeah, with true. the conversion rate. So it's hard to like kind of glean anything from it. Uh, like the conversion of... rates, you mean? Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Conversion I rates. Um, but we do have conversion rates for Kyoto and Cincy, whatever good that does is, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Turbo Depths, that list coming in second also looks pretty. I mean, three Sylvan Safekeeper is a little heavy, but that's not too out of the it, ordinary. It, it, it's pretty common, I think, these days. I think three is yeah. kind of the standard. Uh, oh, three is the standard at this point? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm Magic on that at least. I'm not sure if that's like common in real life. I don't really see that, that being played that often in real life, but I think three is pretty common. I, I know that DNS Solver uh, has been playing three for a while now. I know a few other people have as well. Uh, other than that, anything spicy? What's the Death and Taxes list? Is it? Oh, it's the Mono White Death and Taxes. It is a Mono White list that is, in my opinion, kind of ridiculous looking. Yeah, it's all right. Let's Containment Priest Main three Flicker Wisps. Like, the, yeah. no, there's not a lot of stuff here that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's let, run down this for us, man. So it has one Interest One Canonist main deck. It has one yeah. Revoker main, one Priest main, which, you know, Priest and Flicker Wisp, that's a nice combo. But instead, he's of playing four Flicker Wisp alongside the Priest, just cut it down to three. Um, he has three Recruiter of the Guards, one Prelate, two Sarah Avengers. It just like, looks like it's all over the place. It looks like it's pre-boarded. <laughs> it's like he forgot to sideboard when he registered his deck. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it has a spell site in the sideboard. That's interesting. Uh, and two enlightened tutors and a blessed alliance also in the sideboard. Wow, what is? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I can't claim to know know death and taxes very well. I've only played the deck like a handful of times, 
and I played against it a lot, but I, I don't really care about half of these creatures anyway. But going down to four flick, going down to three flick wisps in the modern white field is a little strange, in my opinion. Yeah, true. Especially if I you're mean, playing Containment Priest main deck. Right, exactly, because that combo is so good. I mean, maybe he's thinking of Recruiter of the Guard as just uh... copies of everything else. Uh, yeah, then what, like if he like if he abides by that philosophy, then why wouldn't he go all in on that and play full recruiters? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, also he's running two Sarah Avenger. I feel that's old tech. Like I feel I haven't seen Sarah Avenger for a while. Sarah Avenger kind of moves back and forth uh, between seeing play and not seeing play. Like it's better against like Delver based strategies than I don't know Mirren Crusader would be. But Mirren Crusaders also look really good against Trekpile. It, it's a it's a which creature is good today kind of scenario. Yeah, I would still rather the fourth Flicker Wisp over the second Sarah Avenger because they're both coming in to play usually around the same time, and you know the the extra toughness doesn't really matter. It's still trading with Delver. I wouldn't really compare the two. I think Flicker Wisp is just better in every. Oh spot, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Flicker Wisp is just the better card, but I'm just saying, like from a pure vanilla test sure. of like what you want the deck the card to do. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, and it's running the Mangara. That's that's definitely old tech. It is a very old Mangara of Karandor. Yeah, Karakas Mangara. Man, that. Yeah. <laughs> this list is weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, also, there were there were two other events we wanted to talk about real quick. Yeah. So let's move on to well, there's the Channel Fireball. What's the other one? We were. Uh, it's not listed on in the notes, but it was the 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 French Nationals. I wanted to chat about real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, yeah. Let's talk about French Nationals first. Let's okay, cool. Um, so French Nationals is notable because it was won by a really good friend of mine. His name is Thomas Meckin. Uh, and if and if there's anyone out there listening to this cast that is obsessed with data as much as I am, you may or may not know this, um, but he was the winner of last year's Eternal Weekend in Europe. Uh, he won with Miracles against uh, Anders in, in Miracles Mirror Match in the finals. Uh, this is like the... Get wrecked, Anders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, that's all good. Um, this was like the the second to last event before the top ban, uh, and it was one of two that were Miracles Mirror matches, and then um, he ended up playing Miracles again for French French Nationals, uh, which is like an invitational um, based like event. Uh, like they they take points of well good of decent performing French players throughout the year and invite them into this thing. Uh, and there was a last chance qualifier on Saturday for the event that Thomas played in, uh, which he then proceeds to go 8-0 in uh, and win the thing, even though he was already qualified. And then on Sunday during the actual main <laughs> event, he goes 5-0-2 in the Swiss and then wins the event again. So his record for the for the day was 15-0 for the two events. And that's a, kind of a crazy run uh, with a Jeez. version of Miracles that contains 19 lands and two copies of Preordain. Wow! Yeah, nineteen lands in a miracles list. Yes, and I think it's the real deal. Um, as many people know, like I'm, I'm, I'm part of like a group of like miracles players that like work on the deck, and I'm more of an idea sounding board. I don't play nearly as much as these people do, um, but I play Magic Online and all that jazz too. Uh, I think preordain might be the the key, so to speak. I think he played against nine del like eight or nine Delver decks. And beat all of them. Obviously, he won. He he beat everybody. But like, I I think miracles as a deck. Now, uh, 
compared to before is much worse obviously than than pre-ban miracles but i think we're starting to get closer to the efficacy of what is notable with the deck um and and just real quick before we, I, I like start talking going off about miracles for a second the other event that we wanted to kind of break down real quick is that our buddy uh cyrus won <laughs> the, the channel fireball yeah, the, the, the leaving a legacy intern <laughs> yes <laughs> He actually, so Cyrus, congrats to Cyrus. He messaged me and he said his inspiration for winning the event was to prove Pat wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, that, that's as good a goal as any, right? Yeah, exactly. Just like to show show he, Pat I, up. I think you guys are just saying his name. I'm pretty sure his first name is Kyrus. It's Kyrus. Kyrus. Cormangel. <laughs> Cormangel. Cormangel. Right, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so, leaving a legacy intern. Congrats to Cyrus. Kyrus. Taking down <laughs> Cyrus. Taking down the Channel Fireball 4K. Uh, fueled by his ever-burning <laughs> hatred of Patch. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. That's as good as being a reason to be fueled by anything, you know? Like that, That's it, perfectly it, fine. Exactly. Um, so, he was on Ant. Yes, he was on Storm, Ad Nauseam Tendrils. Uh, notably, he beats four color check pile in the finals uh and the top eight also had another storm player and then a test player so a lot of combo uh it also had elves by the wonderful john kendall jjkbb on metric online super nice dude uh and then miracles rounds out the top eight. Oh, sorry and mandolin stretch that's exciting oh also tests in uh yes. wow a lot of storm yeah a lot game. of combo Jeez. a lot of combo Ooh, this wow. Manalist Dredge list has, like, four Sickening Shoals and Vengeful Pharaohs in the sideboard. <laughs> <Yeah>. what? <laughs> what? What is even happening? Jeez. Four, oh, man. I guess the, I guess this uh, Channel Fireball has a shit ton of Storm because they're also running four Mind Break Trap in their sideboard yep. with this Manalist Dredge. Yep. Yeah, this was oh, a damn. California 4K. It's a pretty big deal. <laughs> Customary, there was the one copy of Grixis Delver. Yes. Oh, I, I completely just didn't see it. Yeah, but it's definitely <laughs> it's just here. like your brain filters it out at this point. Yeah, uh, looks like he's running the Lewis CBR version with Stifle though, uh, and a single copy of Spellpierce. I'm, I'm not sure if Lewis has that or not. Yeah, something like that. They're all very similar. Uh, they look kind of bleed together in my mind right now, honestly. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I, I do like how MTG Top 8 puts elves exclamation mark. Elves! <laughs> I mean, it's like that on TC decks too, which is interesting. Elves, is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All these sites just putting an exclamation mark after elves. Yep. <laughs> uh, they're also running the Progenitus. So yeah, this seems like it's the new style. I don't know if they're all copying Julian's list from the week before or what. But yeah, it looks like Progenitus is now here to stay, in, or at least for the time being, in the sideboard. It's made its way back in. He also has two Bloodmans in the sideboard. Yeah, we have seen that from time to time out of Elves. That's crazy. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah this isn't Julian's list. I think Julian had two mana guys, and he has only one. Mm. Like, he has one in Worlds, and Julian had one Llanowar and one of the other one, Findhorn Elves. Um, now, Cyrus was too busy telling me about his hatred of Pat that he uh, he didn't actually mention anything different about his list. But uh, uh, His list uh, is one card off of Rodrigo Togoras, as it looks like. Tell us about that. Uh, the only notable <laughs> thing, really, is that like compared to normal stock Storm, he has two Pass and Flames in the main deck and one copy of Dark Petition. 
Uh, he's playing green. Uh, he also has ground seals and fatal pushes in the sideboard. Chain of Vapor, one copy of Zandit Swarm. It, it's it's ad nauseum tendrils. It's Ooh. something crazy. Cyrus is running a Tormod's Crypt. I haven't seen a Tormod's Crypt in a list in a hot minute. It's like the only card you can play that doesn't actively hurt your storm count um, mm-hmm. against like other graveyard-based combo decks. Although it's possible yeah. that he just had it on him and wanted to play it. I don't know. Like, Yeah, that's also possible. It's definitely something that could be a thing. Yeah, I mean, it's all, it's Graveyard Hate that doesn't hurt your graveyard for Past and Flames. Plus, it can just be Free Storm, like you mentioned. But uh, uh, I'm sorry, Pat. I did invite Cyrus on to talk about the uh, the 4K sometimes. Oh, which so. which which week is that? <laughs> I have something. To, I have something to do that week. That's all. No, he's he's gonna stop. He's just gonna stop in. He's gonna he's gonna say a few words I, while he's bringing us coffee. I have a bad connection. <laughs> what time is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pat, don't be so mean to our interns. They could sue. <laughs> I've never met Kairos before. I don't know much about him. Maybe he's a nice guy. I'm not sure. God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, so c- congrats to Cyrus. Yeah, yeah good job. Congrats, dude. That's awesome. Kairos Cormongil. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, anything else about this uh, top eight? No, no. I'm ready to give a quick spiel, if that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's hear it. All right. So, um, people have asked me to like talk about miracles on uh, on some sort of media, and this is the closest thing I have to that. Um, so, miracles as a deck is 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 good. Uh, it's not tier zero like it used to be. It's not to the level of like Rooksilverers now. I think it's still very good. I think it's way harder to play than it used to be. Uh, and I think that you have to account for the fact that you cannot one for one everybody anymore in order to keep playing the deck. Uh, it's not as favored against Delver decks as it used to be, like not even close. In fact, I would say that Grixis Delver against Miracles is like 50-50, or sometimes even in the Grixis Delver player's favor, uh, which I think a lot of people, it, it, that will shock a lot of people to hear. But I think you have to account for Grixis Delver if you want to play Miracles, and we've been trying to do that for the past couple of weeks, and I think this preordained thing that uh, Rug Vedkarhade and... Um, Anurag Das have been working on together. 19 lands preordains, back to basics, uh, like are the kind of like the whole, the 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 soup that we're working with here, combined together in some way, shape, or form. I think that's starting to get to the point where we can kind of be like confident in our plan against Delver. Um, so that's not the only way to go about it. I know our friend Johan is very good. Uh, he's won a crap ton with miracles as well, and he plays three volcanics, three tundras, and just brings in blasts against them. I'm, I'm trying to be very quick about this because I know we don't have a ton of time. Um, oh, yeah, no, go, do it up, do it up. But ba- basically my whole point is, uh, if you want to play Miracles, join our Discord. Uh, it's a lot more focused discussion than a podcast would be here. Um, join our Discord. Uh, feel free to like come reach out to me in person or like on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And I'm happy to like chat about uh, whatever and give you guys tips. Um but I think Miracles is really well positioned. I think there are different ways you can approach um, building it and playing it. But I will say that the deck is extremely difficult. And any other smart player that plays against you will probably manhandle you unless you know that they're good. <laughs> and you can therefore compete along their level. Because the deck is hard. Like, if you go back and watch Jarvis use stream from earlier today, he's playing. he played against Miracles twice in a row and completely demolishes them because he's like, he knows what to do. And I felt very similarly, like, you can just sandbag your force of wells and 
hold them forever and until miracles does something big and clunky and whatnot uh, and i think that's the biggest difficulty surrounding the deck so i think it's important to just be aware of that and play better than your opponent nice so with that also with miracles um we got a question from i think it was aj asked us this um you know, I, I, I want to go over this topic later on just because I feel we're not going to do it justice tonight. But can you just kind of go over? I feel Miracles is a good list to talk about this. The differences between your ponders, brainstorms, and uh, even preordains with a list like Miracles, how how the cards kind of interact differently in the list. You're missing the portents too, man. Come on. Uh, the portents. <laughs> AJ didn't ask about portents, but yes, also the portents. Right, right. So cantrips in general. Um so, so actually, important, one, one of the... <laughs> so important. <laughs> it is very important. Um, one of the the biggest like influences upon me as a person uh, in legacy and in Magic in general is the power and ability of consistency. Uh, and there's a podcast episode from like many years ago called uh, Eternal Central or the Eternal like it's on Julian's website if you guys have like gone back and look at it. Um, but there's an episode with Julian. Um, Philip Schoeniger and Thomas Vlucek that talk about building miracles. This was like in the pre, pre-top pre ban era. Like, miracles was doing really well. It was like Raptor GP New Jersey and, and so on. And there was a quote in that that I think is the most important quote as a Magic player that... And, I, and I'll get to the point regarding Cartrips Kentford in a second. But he Philip says, if I'm presented with a handful of removal or a handful of counter magic, I would choose instead to have a handful of ponders, brainstorms, and, and, and cantrips. And while that may seem like a very simple statement, um, I think it's really important to address the fact that cantrips are power. Cantrips are consistency. And that uh, is kind of the reason why we're doing this whole preordained thing in Miracles in, in the first place. Now, when it comes to those specific cantrips, ponder, preordained, brainstorm, um, brainstorm, I think, discovered deserves its own like segment because it's mm-hmm. it's just that difficult to talk about consistently if you really want to know how to brainstorm and like understand brainstorm fully like go watch aj soccer's videos from like 2013 2014 he breaks down the card better than i think anyone else i've ever seen and he tells you exactly why a ba- brainstorm is better when the longer you hold it and that seems like a super simple concept but brainstorming proactively is almost always going to be worse than brainstorming reactively. And the card just gets significantly better the more bad cards you have in your hand. And I don't think I'm gonna we're gonna be able to do it justice in talking about it very shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, pun- but yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> that is true. Yeah, like but- that, that. I I will reaffirm that's probably one of the biggest. I I tend not to give advice to to players that I'm playing against just because I don't want to come on Karas as rude. But one of the biggest things I will point out to opponents after matches is. Hey, just so you know, like you were brainstorming really aggressively when you did not need to. Like I'll be playing, I'll be playing like uh, Bug Delver, and I'll just have like nothing on board. Like I made some land drops and I cast like some some uh, like cantrips and maybe a discard spell or two. And my opponents are like end of turn brainstorming, and I'm like. What are you doing? You yeah. yeah, you don't need to be do- like you don't need to be doing like you didn't brainstorm in response to my thought sees, but instead you're brainstorming end of turn. Like there are there are a lot of things we need to talk about with that. Like I, I think uh, brainstorming response to discard spells. I like I'm loathe to do that. 
because it forces you right. to burn your brainstorm almost immediately, and that I hate doing that. It's it's a necessary evil, but it's like when you don't do that, and then that same turn you end of turn brainstorm when there's like nothing that you're really worrying about in play. That that is just something else that yes. needs to be talked about. <laughs> I mean, I mentioned Jarvis earlier today, but Jarvis has a has a quote he likes to say: "Card spells don't have haste on them. You don't always have to cast them immediately." Um, and I think it's better to talk, probably talk about ponder and preordain because I feel like we're going to go down to like a massive segue here if we were to talk yeah, about brainstorm segue. <laughs> um, but ponder versus preordain preordain as a card is better than ponder when you have less shuffle effects in your deck and have the ability have the requirement of wanting to play um, more like one ofs or you're looking for something specific you're looking for a specific game plan uh, and Checkpile uh, recently, and you see this at GP Madrid, uh, the list that Thomas and Volton played had preordained instead of Ponder um, because he didn't want to rely on the fetch on the shuffle effects from Ponder, and he's looking for more specific and more generalized, like more. He wanted more immediate selection on his cards, and preordained does that a little bit better than Ponder does. Mm-hmm. Um, Ponder is still amazing, um, but it its power is accentuated by shuffle effects because you can find one good card off your ponder or two good cards and you can shuffle away the third and so on. Preordain kind of has that built in but sees less overall. And I think those are the main differences between the two cards. Preordain is much better when you're looking for specific pieces, which is why you see it played most often in combo decks. Mm-hmm. And that's why we see like that sneak and show list we were talking about before went up to four preordains. Which is, I think, kind of reacting to such a Grixis heavy, uh, Grixis heavy format where you need to find those co- uh, combo pieces and you need to find them quickly. Certainly, and like I, I didn't realize this until now, but we also like did something similar with miracles and that we added more cantrips. Like just more selection is always good, and usually when I tell people that are brewing with blue cards in Legacy. You start every deck list with four ponder, four brainstorm, full stop. If I see like two ponders, I get really sad. <laughs> like really, really sad. Yeah, that's that's like kind of a sign. It's like, what are you cutting? That what like what are you adding to the list that you need to cut ponders for? Because right. your ponders find those things. So, you're are you adding silver bullets of something? <laughs> Which also goes against the grain because if you're adding silver bullets then you definitely want ponders to find those silver yes. bullets like we could talk about cantrip theory for hours on end uh yeah it, it, it it's a great question aj i think i we want to do a full episode on it uh we're we, we, we are going to do also... a full episode on that that is a that is a meaty topic for sure it is yes and so after the gp we're gonna we're gonna set that up i, I think it's really really like cool to talk about cantrip theory but there's only so much you can understand in doing it, and I think Miracles is a good example of a deck that you can learn a lot from working on cantrip theory, because the moment you mess up a cantrip in Miracles, you die. Mm-hmm. Oh, you yeah. lose the That's game immediately. It is, but it's more evident in Miracles because you're playing a reactive control deck. Right. And, right. and there, there are... really aren't any other reactive control decks in Legacy right now, mm-hmm. and like... If you play Delver, you can get free wins because you're playing Delver. If you play Sneak and Show, you can get free wins because you're playing Sneak and Show. I had a friend earlier today, uh, like or yesterday after the open, 
he was on camera and he was playing sneak and show and he messed up his cantrip sequence and died and he's like i can't keep doing this help me learn how to cantrip and i said hey play a deck that me that makes you immediately recognize the consequences of how you mess up cantrips and you'll learn because you will die mm-hmm. and you'll be yeah. like you'll be like wait so wait why am i dead oh i messed up this preordain six turns ago damn yeah, I remember when I first started playing Legacy, that was one of the things that sort of blew my mind was the importance of cantripping and how improper cantripping can, like you said, lead to your ultimate demise further into the match. I can still recall times where I brainstormed at the wrong time or I pondered at the wrong time or, like, I put cards back in the wrong order. Like, I put my second and third card back in the opposite order that I wanted, so it forced me not to fetch when I wanted to fetch because I need I really need to draw the third card, and it's... Man, it's there's so much there's so much to it. or even like in a ponder, it like it also will affect when you can fetch when you're when you're pondering, you know. So, um, yeah, it still happens. Like it'll be like round seven, and you're tired and dehydrated, and I've gone like I've brainstormed specifically for the reason to flip my Delver. Oh yeah, and then I've just like gone into a rabbit hole <laughs> considering the possibilities, and I like do all these. You things, put a Delver like, coming back in the library. I, yeah, yeah. And I put it back, and then I just like <laughs> and then I look down and I look at the Delver. I'm like, fuck! I didn't even put an instant yep. or sorcery on top of the that. library because I've gone so far in the hole of thinking about the consequences of this cantrip that I forget why I cantripped in I've, the first I've place. I've definitely put a thunderous <laughs> wrath on top of my deck and then immediately drew it at the beginning of my turn. <laughs> into my hand just been like god damn it <laughs> yeah don't do that like cantripping is probably one of the most difficult skills in legacy it and it is a super important skill it so is. i think i think that that'd be good uh round table episode where we have a couple people on yes because i think a lot of uh, a lot of people can can speak to that's that a, i would that's strongly recommend episode. having wilson hunter on again that, that's actually the first person that <laughs> yeah that's the first person that came to mind i'm not even gonna lie he, no in all honesty he taught me the most or the second he is the second most like in the source of information and understanding of cantrips than anyone else i've ever met yeah he's very very smart we'll have a cantrip episode after the gp uh we also got uh, – we haven't forgotten about you, Nathan. We we are trying to do a History of Goblins episode as well. Oh, man. Uh, we're, we're just struggling to find a goblins expert. There aren't very many of them. Uh, right. I can definitely point you to one. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> hook us up with some goblins experts. We need someone who's been playing goblins since, like, 2000. I can show you someone who hasn't stopped playing goblins. That's even more impressive. Maybe I'll just say no. <laughs> he might. He might. I mean, those little green men, you know. <laughs> little green men so yeah we're gonna have a uh, history of goblins coming up kind of uh well i know people have really been requesting another history episode like we did with the blue white control list so i think goblins we're gonna kill two tur- two birds with one stone with that and then we'll also do a round table cantrips episode sounds nice. good to me uh anything else uh we had to talk about before we wrap this up guys i don't think so but i wanted to apologize for speaking very quickly through like the last <laughs> 35 minutes <laughs> no nah, you're good it's that's what we call new england quick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy all right so uh we get into some scoops uh yeah um i have a pers- couple people to scoop in want to scoop in our newest uh, uh patreon supporters dan fournier and uh Zibariah hillard thank you guys so much for the uh support we really appreciate it thanks guys uh i want to scoop in kyle and all the people at scholars i was supposed to go uh, to their legacy bunch of duels uh, this Saturday, but I celebrated a bit too hard, uh, quitting my job on Friday, 
and I woke up Saturday at 2 p.m., oh, and I gosh. just missed that tournament. I don't so. even know how you do that. How, how does that happen? <laughs> you don't go to bed until 5 in the morning the night before. <laughs> so I'm really sad I missed that event. I hope it was a good one. Uh, I haven't heard who, who took that one home yet, but congrats to whoever did, and hopefully I'll wake up for the next one. Uh, also want to scoop in my friend Caitlin because she sent me home with some heady topper that she just brought down from Vermont. Is that so. a, is that weed or <laughs> exactly? It's, it's a delicious beer pack. Oh, okay. Heady topper. It's from the alchemist IPA. It is delicious. It is highly sought after. Like you can trade this for human organs in some parts of the country. <laughs> <laughs> and she was nice enough to just give me a bunch. So thanks Caitlin. That was very nice of her. How about how about you, man? Who are you going to scoop in this week? Um, so I have two people, if that's all right. Of course. All right, cool. The first person we've talked about it multiple times on this cast, but I definitely wanted to scoop in Wilson Hunter. Uh, I don't mean to like make his grow his ego here, but like he 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 has taught me a lot, both as a person and as a Magic player. So like, shout out to him. He's awesome. Listen to his cast. Listen to his episode. Listen to the Brainstorm show. You'll learn a lot. They they also have a Kindred episode, actually. So mm-hmm. uh, take a listen to that one. And a sideboarding one, which is like really helpful. Anyway, um, the second person, this is kind of a waste of a shout-out, because I don't know if he'll ever actually listen to this, because he doesn't play Magic anymore. Um, but he's a gentleman by the name of Philip Schoeniger. Uh He is the person that taught me the most about Kindred Theory. Got me into Legacy, got me into Miracles many years ago at GP New Jersey. Uh, shout out to him. He's busy being a literal monastery mentor right now. Like he, he like does Kung Fu. He's, he, I'm not joking. He does like martial arts. He's very good at it. He's studying philosophy, uh, in university now and he's like quit magic, but I will never forget the, the lessons I was taught by him. Awesome. That's sweet. Uh, oh, also shout out to Cyrus. Yes. Not Cyrus. 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 <laughs> Cyrus, congrats, buddy, for taking down uh, the 4K. Yes, yes, I did. Congrats. Uh, we'll, we'll have you on uh, soon to talk about yes. it, and uh, we we can have Pat go get us coffee instead this time. Yeah, I'll be I'll be getting you coffee for the entire episode. I think. <laughs> yeah, it'll take an hour and a half. Yep. Perfect. Jesus. Uh, all right, jokes. Uh, what? All right, Pat, you yelled at me for rolling a twenty-sided die last time. What size die? Like do you a six. Use? A six is acceptable. A six. Yeah. No, more than six. Eight. <laughs> I have a D8 in front of me. I, got, I have a D8. I have D4. I have a D8 in front of me, too. All right. I got D12. Right, I got a three. A th- it's a three. A three. I think we've already read this one. Brian Tibbetts, our friend from the Tryhards. Uh, what's black, white, black, white, black, white? Uh, I don't a, know. What? A nun falling down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Uh, see, that's a good yes. one. That's a good one. Uh, but I do think we did do that one already. So read the next. Oh, one. okay. Um, I just want more. In fact, read the next two. Okay. Well, you're more. the next. You're the next one. So. Oh, yeah. I am. Nice. <laughs> there once was an admiral who commanded a large fleet. One day, dozens of ships appeared, and he commanded his first mate to bring him his red pants. But sir, why does it matter? Well. During battle, if I'm wounded, I don't want my men to see me bleed, as it will put the fear of loss in their hearts. The admiral bravely fought off the enemy fleet, and his men rejoiced. The next day, an even larger fleet arrives of thousands and thousands of ships. The admiral turns to his first mate and orders him 
Fetch me my brown pants. <laughs> saw that one coming. That's a good one. <laughs> Definitely saw that one coming. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> That's why I submitted it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm, What's the next I'm one? I'm with Pat on this one. I'm just kind of shaking my head. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> That's such a good joke. <laughs> Uh, That's such a good joke. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, if you guys want to find us, you can find us no, on one more. What? Give Give me one oh more. Give God. me one more. Uh, I need more. <laughs> Michael Petchik. Why do Swedish battleships have barcodes on them? So they can Scandinavian. So when they get back port, back to port, they can Scandinavian. Yes, that's correct. There was Thank a you for the punchline, Jerry. All of the sweet of the yes, Scandinavian the, people. In the definitely plane. the best way to deliver a joke is for someone else to ruin the punchline. It's not like Jerry. You're supposed to play the straight man here. You're not supposed to guess the answer. That's not what this is. This isn't a guessing game. You should have Jerry read the uh, read a... the jokes next time. I I, I just don't I know. know. Right? <laughs> One week he's gonna forget, and it's gonna be great. Anyway, I'll never forget. <laughs> anyway, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, Jerry's at JME3RD. You can find me at Pat Uglo. Uh, find the Facebook page, uh, Leaving a Legacy, uh, on Facebook. You can find the stream, twitch.tv slash Pat Uglo. Uh, you can find us on uh, Hipster of the Coast. Join the Facebook group. Email us, uh, deck picks and dick picks, Leaving a Legacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you all next week.